Welcome to Training for Manhood, an ongoing exploration and adventure intended to be fast, fun, and formative for guys who desire to be the best men they can. Young or old, there are always areas for improvement, growth, and maturity. We hope you'll pay attention and put into practice the useful advice you hear on this podcast. But remember, the goal isn't just to listen, but to do what you learn. Welcome to Training for Manhood. Hey, welcome back to Training for Manhood. Dan Panetti got a um, a friend that um, I guess I knew in high school, and now he's a pastor, and he's forty years old. So, a lot of um, water under the bridge. A lot of time has gone by, um, yeah. and uh, and I've, I've watched you. Um, grow up from a um, just a high school kid playing yes. baseball. Kid is an appropriate word. Yeah, yeah. to uh, to a godly young man mm-hmm. um, leading a family, leading a church, um, just shepherding uh, the community. And so, um, Blair Robinson, um, thanks for spending some time with us today, well, brother. I'm honored by the invitation. Yeah, it's good to join you. And and when you ask, it's like, well, hey, what are we going to talk about? I was like, hey, yeah. hey, here's my mindset. Here's my thought. And it was. Um, uh, Blair and I connected uh, a, f- a few years back, right? And and you said something to me which was really fascinating. Um, and you since have told me that you stole it from Tozer and just kind of reframed it. Um, but what you said to me was re- really cool. You said, I-, I don't really trust a man until God's broken him. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, it's such an interesting concept in today's world where the number one thing that people want um, is ease and comfort, right? Yeah. They, they, they want to, you know, what, what's the easiest path um, to get my comfort, um, how do I go make my millions so that I can get my big house, um, get my big car, um, and you know, and basically every difficulty in life I can avoid. And and what you and I have both learned <laughs> is one that's not how God works, right. and two that particular path I think you miss a lot of um, the growth of what God has intended for us to go through as men. Absolutely. Um, and so and so when you said that to me, I was like, yeah. what a great statement. I love that statement. I forgot about that um, statement until you brought it up to me. But, but yeah. it's, it's kind of the thing of, um, Blair, what, what would you say to that young guy yeah. who, like, in his mind, he has that the, that idea of, uh, hey, Blair, I, I, I don't want you, whatever you're trying to sell me as far as, like, difficulty and, and you know, trials and tribulation and all those different things. I don't, I don't want that. I, I want a life of ease and a, and a life of comfort. What counsel would you give to that young man? Oh, well, I think that's a fair question. You know, being in my 40s now, <laughs> I think my perspective has changed in this world a bit. Yeah. Because, you know, I've lived life a little bit. I've had some injuries. I've had some disappointments and some heartbreaks. And yeah. and. God's word promises this. Uh, we, you and I were just talking about the book of Ecclesiastes. We see that, you know, all is vanity. Uh, depart from knowing uh, God. And, um, and so when we live life seeking our own interest, our own benefits, our own comforts, gratifications, whatever it is, um, we really do want to... Um, Yeah, we really do want to enjoy all that life offers. And when people tell us that life is hard or that there's going to be suffering, we don't really know how to put that into the category of our own minds. And and, uh, and so I, I, I think when I told you that statement, which, you know, I don't really trust men until they've been broken or wounded. Um, probably said from the, from the mouth of a hurting man in that moment, but it's only, in that brokenness or that hurt or that suffering that you can actually begin to see 
more clearly. Yeah. And that was my experience. And I think the scriptures, and we can talk about the scriptures if we, uh, if we have time, but um, I think the scriptures talk like our dwelling place is actually not in the garden. So It's east of Eden, yeah, right? And yeah. so it's hard there. Yeah. It's thorns and, and thistles. And, and the, the thing that we were made for <clears throat> uh, to be in that communion with God, I think <clears throat> one of the things that, that strikes me is so many people feel like like they're qualified to be in the presence of God because of something that they've done and accomplished. Yeah. Like, do you, do you know who I am? Blair, do you know who I am? Right. Like, yeah. the, the, you know, I've done this, I've built this, I've done, right. Yeah. And so now I'm qualified to be in the presence of God as opposed to yeah. what God says are the qualifications to be in his presence. Yeah, and that's, that's right. right. A humble and a contrite heart. So it's a concept of like God, God doesn't look at your typical no. resume of a person and say, That's hey, right. here's what I've accomplished. Yeah. Now I can be in the presence of God. That's right. Right. When you look at the men of God that have been in the presence of God, yeah. it really is because they've, they've left the resume at home <laughs> and they said, hey, I want to be in God's presence. And I, I literally, I bring nothing but um, a broken and wounded heart, right? That's I, bring, exactly I, bring, right. I take nothing to the cross but my own sin. That's right. And so in that humility of I can't believe God would, choose to use me then god can step in and say hey now now i can use this particular guy and i think if if so many young people would grasp that at an earlier age as opposed to when they're 40 50 60 70 100 right then all of a sudden you have a different i guess trajectory in life of saying it's not about what you build it's about how do you draw closer to god yeah and then and then allowing him to build whatever that life looks like in you and through you and, and as those accomplishments come, or whether they don't come, right? It doesn't really matter. It's true. I, I think men first have to recognize that in our nature, mm-hmm. we have within us, it's a sinful nature because right. of the fallenness of man, right. to construct uh, a work, to build sure. a building. Sure. I mean, this is the Tower of Babel. Sure. We see men trying to build their way up to the presence of God. Yeah. And... If we just read Genesis, the Genesis narrative, and say, well, that's them, and we don't put ourselves in the narrative there and see us as construction workers that build naturally, that's who we are. We want to build up to the presence of God. We want to be approved by God. We want to um, be—then we're never really going to get it. Uh, And in fact, um, the godly man recognizes that he's not God. The godly man recognizes that he is— uh, in fact, the farthest thing from God, a sinful being who is at enmity with God, right. according to what Paul says in Colossians. Yeah. And if we don't start there, um, then we're not going to really understand why we're here and who it is that we are to worship. Yeah. And we're going to end up worshiping everything else. Okay, so so give me that process yeah. in, in the in the life of Blair Robinson Okay, from, from high school baseball player who's going to go uh, D1 and you know everything's going to be about me oh yeah that's the way it was (laughs) to um, 41 year old Blair yeah right who's pastoring and shepherding others right what was what was the life transition that moved you from self-centered to God-centered boy that's really that's really a great question because it's good for us to know our own testimonies and to see what God has done inside of our own stories you know, I was um, a very self-centered person, and I'm. That has nothing to do with anybody projecting anything That's on right. me. It's just my own sinful atom within me, yep, right? Yep. And uh, 
And I, and I, yeah, so I grew up kind of self-absorbed and this is what life is. And, uh, it's about me playing baseball. It's about me having fun. It's about me enjoying life. And the gospel is important too. And church is important too. But to be honest with you, uh, the gospel and God was as common as all the things I also enjoy. Sure. The gospel and God was not uncommon uh, to me. Yeah, uh, it was. It was all kind of the same. Yeah, and uh, it was. That's, a, that's an interesting phrase, though, because yeah. the, the uncommonness yeah. of the gospel. When we take the gospel, we take yeah. the, the mystery of God, and we put it with all the other things that are common to us, yeah. in a sense, it, it really does lose its value. You're right. You know what I mean? It, Absolutely. It, it's, it's, it, it can't be just one of those um, other important things in your life. Right. It, no. it is either, either it's the uncommon. Central, right, it, it's either right. the central driving force of your life, or it really kind of isn't anything. Totally. It's <laughs> like, I mean, Rahab sees, you, yeah, know, yeah, uh, you yeah. know, Israel coming, and she's like, oh, those are the people that have the God that released them from Egypt. Yes. That's uncommon. That's right. Right? Right. How do, I get, so, how do I get to be a part of that? Exactly. As opposed to, hey, do you have something I can add to my life? Totally. Right? Where I can still stay a pagan. That's right. right? An outsider, yeah. but yet I want a little bit of you. And the answer is, that doesn't exist. It doesn't That's exist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure how you, how you do that, how you add a component, right, of yeah. God being the center of the universe yeah. to you being a center of the universe. We're kind of like, hey, can we share this throne together? Yeah, completely. Well, ultimately, it reveals idolatry because exactly. we're worshiping something that we've created rather than the one who has yeah. revealed the God, himself. The God creator. in our pocket. That's right. <laughs> the, the God I get to carry along with me and That's right. you know, bring him out when I need him. And, and God's like, yeah, so I don't play that role. So... I think going back to your question, like, um, it was in the middle of some heartache, some Mm -hmm. really difficult days, um, where everything in my life was being dismantled and even deconstructed a little bit. And, um, and I began listening to the gospel being preached in a different way. I had different ears to hear it, I think. And Mm -hmm. then the spirit of God began to work and move. And the gospel was presented in such a way where God was not just um, Savior, but he, he became sovereign mm. and Lord and holy. And in contrast to this holy God, I, I began to see myself as not just a sinner who needed a Savior, but unholy and unworthy. Yeah. And uh, uh, really seeing grace in a different way. And it honestly, it flipped my worldview upside down. And began to see that I was not the center of this creation. And I knew, I mean, if you asked me, are you the center of creation? I would have told you sure. no. no. Yeah. But my, life's, my life, my actions, my thoughts did not agree with that. Yeah. And, uh, but, but when I heard the gospel, I think I was 24 years old, heard the gospel preached, and God became very, very big. Mm. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I, I was eerily aware of my smallness and um and that was the most helpful thing and it was the kindness and mercy of god to expose me and uh to show this to me and and so it was actually in those those difficult days that heartache where god in his kindness actually stripped everything away Mm -hmm. he took it all away It, it didn't feel good but it was good and then he began constructing a new understanding of who he was what his church is, what the gospel of Christ is, what is grace, um, what is true joy in him. And 
I, it changed the trajectory of life. It, it, cha- it changed the, the meaningfulness of life. And um, so now I'm, you know, 16 years into that, 17 years into that, and it's um, been a tremendous blessing. Yeah. It reminds me of, um, I don't know if you've read Richard Sibbs, uh, The Bruised Reed. It's one of the. Be- it's, it's better than gentle and lowly. You heard it here. It's better than gentle and lowly. Actually, I'll say Bruce Reed's probably one of my top five. It's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Um, and uh, and and I love um, how Sibs just writes this concept. And and you know, I think only the Puritans can say this. In well, a way. yeah, they're dead. Yeah, they're dead. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can't argue with them. But but they they say this concept like. Right, you deserve death. Anything less than you get from God than that is actually yeah. a blessing. Yeah, that's and you're exactly like, right. You're like what? Like what, what, is, what? And so is it? What was the Puritan? It was like I, I can't believe I get Christ plus water. You know, <laughs> you know they had a true understanding of yes. what it was we actually deserve. So, so in saying that, right? Um, what, what do you, what do you say to that young guy? Yeah. who really has um, been brought up in that world system that it really is all about them, yeah. right? And, and, and they've, they've bought into that, and they're like, hey, Blair, you don't understand, right? I really am a great kid. I'm, yeah, a, I'm a great guy from for a great sure. family, and I do life really well. I'm, I, and when you said that God became big and you became small, can I just tell you that like, you are not going to write for Hallmark, right? Because that, yeah, car, right. that card isn't selling anywhere, right? Yeah, that's you know, right. Hey, God became big and I, I became small because I think what, what, what people want is that first part of what you're yeah. saying, like, Hey, God really became big in my life. Yeah. But how can I do that and still hang on to, you know, Dan still being all that and, and a bag of chips too. Like, do, do I have to grasp the second part of that Dan becoming small for God to become big or can I just add your big God to my already amazing life? Yeah, ab- absolutely. I, I, I think my encouragement to you first would be to read the Bible yeah. and because the Bible talks about um, really the absurdity of man apart from God. And, uh, it's a good place to start. It's a great place to start. <laughs> and, and I know I told you, or, you know, our church is about to go through the book of Ecclesiastes oh, so and it good. is so helpful, so helpful because, you know, Solomon, you want to talk about, you know, human. Oh, yeah. Uh, human. Uh, he was your D1, D1 prospect, right? I mean, he came was from the, the right wisest family. man who's ever lived. That's right. And, um, and he had more than anyone has ever had. Yeah. And at the end of his life, he looks back and he goes, it's all nothing. Yeah. It's all meaningless. In fact, he says, it's Christ. meaningless upon meaninglessness. Yes. Uh, except D- for double the fact. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> except for the fact of. Uh, you can know God. Yeah. And, and think about this. He's even before the cross. So I said, you know, except that's for Christ. Exactly right. What's amazing is we have even more revelation than Solomon was, right, aware well, of. Of course. We live on this side of the resurrection. We're on this side. Right, right? We're on this side of the cross. We're on this side of God becoming flesh. Yeah. Solomon was just looking forward to yeah. that concept of, right, there, there has to be something greater than the things that I have because the things that I have That's exactly do not right. fill. They don't fill me. Right. They don't fill me. I must be created for something greater than this. There has to be something, right? And, and of course, he came from the, you know, the tradition, the Israel you know, tradition where they were connected to the God That's right. who spoke to them. So they knew about that. Of course. But we're, we're thousands of years removed from that where God actually did something. You know, Here's another step. 
Yeah. Right. I'm not only going to give you the law and the prophets. I'm not only going to talk to you yeah. right about myself. I'm going to show you what I look like. That's I'm going to exactly come down right. and dwell among you. Yeah. Right. So we have we have no well, excuse. That's, it's like what Jesus says in Luke 24. He's he's kind of like opening the disciples' minds mm. to understand the scriptures, mm-hmm. right? And he tells them, "Hey, everything that was written about me and the law and the prophets yeah. and the writings, yeah. which is where Ecclesiastes, it's about me." Yeah. And so we can't interpret Ecclesiastes rightly until we have Christ, and we do have. Yeah. Christ. Well, I, I and, think about even, okay, so you're there at the transfiguration right. where, where Moses and Elijah are sitting there. Yeah. And, and here's the weird thing. They're looking at the person of Jesus right. and thinking, huh, like that's what I wrote about. Yeah. That's, that's who I wrote about. That's, that's what it. we were anticipating, right? Being here, because when I, when I give you the law, yeah. right at the end of the day, the mirror is only going to show you where yeah. you failed. That's right. <laughs> right. And, and when the prophets come they, and they're pointing to something yeah. saying, Hey, there's a, there's a day coming. Right. And I can't, I can't imagine yeah. being there and kind of being at that mountain. And, you know, here's the disciples going, uh, do we build tents here? Do we do that? Hey, this is it, right? This is, and what do we do? And Jesus is like, Hey, hey just, you know, we're, we're getting there. Yeah. And then to think about the, the idea that he's got to go die. Right, like what? I mean, what? What kind of crazy story is exactly. that? But without his, without his death, burial, and resurrection, we have no. Life. We have nothing. We have nothing. Yeah, I, I think to go back, if I could give a, like a precise nugget yes. to a young man yeah. who thinks I got the world before me, that's right. And I want to conquer right. it all. I got everything. What would you I say? I really would tell you. Well, I, I would just regurgitate what Solomon says. You know, in, in Ecclesiastes one, one through eleven, that little prologue there. Mm. He basically says, hey, all your work and all your toil, like all the things that you think you're going to accomplish, one, it never changes anything, right? Uh, He he talks about how the world is, generations come, generations go. Uh, He he talks about how no one's ever going to remember you, (laughs) you know, Uh, and... And your work is never really going to change anything. It's not ever really new work. There's nothing new under the sun. Yep. So you have to start there. Yeah. You really do have to start there. If you don't start there, then you begin um, creating your own, your own narrative, your own worldview, and it, and it doesn't go well. I think an example we have, Christ is our redeemer. Mm-hmm. He's our atonement. And yet he's also the perfect Adam, right? He's also the son of man. That's right. And so he's the perfect example. And I, I think back on Matthew 4, he's standing before, you know, he's in the wilderness being tempted by, by Lucifer mm-hmm. and uh, by, by the devil. And, uh, you know, he's, he's tempted with the same thing Adam's tempted with in the garden. Is that or, or if you eat, you know, yeah. I can give you something to eat. Yeah. You want to eat something? And um, most of the men in this world including all of us, except for the grace of God, right. we were like, yeah, we'll eat. Yeah. We'll eat it. And we have eaten it. Yeah. And we have died. And then Christ has allowed us to see this. But but Jesus doesn't eat what Satan offers. Yeah. He, he doesn't say, hey, I do want the kingdoms of the world. All I have to do is bow my knee. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says, I don't want that. I'm actually going to go through the way of suffering. Mm. And uh, we actually learn in Hebrews through the, that Jesus even learned obedience through his suffering. And, uh, and then he takes over the whole kingdom through the cross. Yeah. And then he gets glory. Yeah. I think we always want glory. Yeah. And we skip the cross. And um, if we're going to follow Jesus, according to Luke 9, we pick up our cross and we follow him. And he uses suffering and that instrument of uh, of of the cross to really mold us into the image yeah. of the beloved son, which, which is what's crazy. Because what you're saying 
make sense in every aspect of life except our spiritual lives. We, we yeah. think that somehow glory comes without suffering. Yeah. And yet, um, yeah, I mean, you played baseball, right? Yeah. And, and when, you, when you want to go out and perform well in the game, yeah. it only comes because you've practiced yeah. time after time after time after time yeah, after right. time again, right? I mean, yeah. you, you've taken a million ground balls, Right. And in, in, in a practice, right. You've booted, you know, half of them. Right. Yeah. You, I mean, you've learned how to make mistakes. You've learned. I mean, you've learned how to overcome. Right. I mean, you've, you've yeah. been you've been in the batting cage. Right. You, you know, sure. you've, you've taken a million swings so that the glory of being in the game and being able to perform at the level you want to came from that suffering. And yeah. we so often forget. Right. That you don't just walk into the batter's box. Right. Hit a home run. Yeah. Just just because I haven't practiced. It's like it doesn't happen. Right, right? Like, life exactly. doesn't life doesn't exactly. work like that, and and yet God has established the spiritual realm the same way. That's right. If you want to learn, if you want to grow, if you want to get closer to God, He's going to take that through suffering because there's there's the dross that He has to burn off. That's right it, there's man. there's the the earthen self centeredness that He has to get rid of. That's right. And, and and He does that by putting you in the crucible. Yeah, and it's a and it, and sometimes we're like, man, we don't want that or mm-hmm. that's unfair mm-hmm. or it's, it's actually a great mercy from God it is. Uh, to not leave us as we are, but to show us how much we need him yeah. and how much we are dependent upon him. You know, take, take fasting for an example. Mm-hmm. Let, let's say you decide to fast for a day. By the time nightfall comes, you really do see how dependent you are yes. upon food. Yeah. And I think when, when we walk through suffering, it's the kindness and mercy of God to show us we really do need our God all the time and for everything. And, um, but we think that we can have this, this life in an easy way yeah. and all that comes with it. And then at the end we get God and his salvation. And, um, but God, God, you know, we think we, he, there's a way that seems right to man. This is what Proverbs yeah. says, and it leads to death, yeah. right? But, but God is so kind to allow us to walk that, that path. So I love what you said, though. Um, it's God's grace not to leave us where we are, mm-hmm. but, but to mature us and to train us. And so here's the thing. I, I spent some time with some, uh, some junior high kids the other day. Yeah. And it's so funny because, you know, in seventh and eighth grade, basically, um, if you're physically bigger than other people, yeah. then you're physically better than them. Right. And it's, it's funny to watch. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of kids that I had some time with and, and they are they are physically bigger. They're just bigger, faster, stronger than the other kids. And so they think they're better. And it's like, you know, and, and my thing is like, yes, you're the best seventh grade athlete ever. Totally. <laughs> wait, wait, they which top is, out in the 10th right, grade. Right, exactly, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. but, here, but here's the thing, right? You may not be the best eighth grade athlete. Yeah. The best ninth grade athlete, right? There, there, there's very few of the best seventh grade athletes yeah. that we ever talk about anymore, yeah. right? Nobody's got their trading card. Nobody nobody talks about, you know, hey, who's the goat of seventh grade? Right, it's right. like, oh, you know. And, and the concept is, is we get stuck in that, though, and, and we don't realize that just because you're the best at something at a particular time doesn't mean that it's going to grow and it's going to develop and it's going to mature. That's right. You've got to put in effort and work into it. And yeah. so I think there's so many guys that are your age, my age, right? They're in their 40s and their 50s, and they still have the spiritual development of the 12-year-old, yeah. right? Of, of when they first started. And, and they haven't gone through the difficulty of, yeah. how do I grow in that? How do I mature in that? And, and as you said, it's, it's God's grace not to leave us. That's right. Right? So as, as he's going to take us, right, we have to trust that his path of maturity, of what yeah. he's going to take us through, um, 
is going to be for our best. It's going to be for our goodness. It's going to draw us close and make us into the men that he desires for us to be. And as I read through scripture, how he's taken his men and taken them from boys into manhood. Yeah. It's been a tough process. Yeah, for sure. Right. It's been, it's been a difficult thing and it was for you and it was for me. Absolutely. And it will be for every man who wants to mature and grow in Christ. Yeah. But it gives us, it gives us also now perspective, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, You with your, your children, me with mine who mm-hmm. are younger than yours, yep. but to teach them the path, yeah. right? Um, uh, you know, w- we walk with the Lord on this on this way, and, and His Word shines light on this path. But we train them for this life as it is, yep. and not what you know the American dream says it should be, right. or whatever man-made philosophy is out there that we buy into. Yep. But no, this is the way. This is how you live outside the garden as we wait for our return back to the garden, the better Eden, when, you know, where we'll dwell with Jesus. Yeah. And so we don't even learn it ourselves. We also pass it down to the next generation. And that, that's, a, that's a significant thing. But, um, but thinking about, like, suffering, mm. um, you know, I think it's Second Corinthians 4. Paul ta- is talking about these afflictions that, you know, the church is enduring. And he compares the afflictions to glory in uh, a little contrast compare con- compare and contrast there in second Corinthians four. And he says that there's this light momentary affliction yeah. and he compares it to the weight of glory that's ours in the Lord Jesus. Amen. And so he doesn't say that suffering is light or it, it feels light or it's fun. He, do- he doesn't, he doesn't um, dismiss it. Right. But compared to the glory of knowing God, it is light. Right. And, um, and, and, and you know, I think you and I were talking about right before, the Lord, he doesn't promise uh, that, you know, that this life is going to be, you know, devoid of suffering. In mm-hmm. fact, he almost guarantees it when he says, if you're going to follow me, you got yeah. to go and die, yeah. you know. It, um was it Bonhoeffer that says when man, when God calls a man, He beckons him, come and die, yeah. um, die to all the things that you think are valuable in this yeah. world, all the things that your heart treasures, and all the things that you worship, go and die. Yeah. And those are painful things to excavate out of our hands yeah. and our hearts and yeah. our. But um, but in the end, you get God Himself, which is greater than any other monetary gift that you think you can have and that um is worth the the excruciating pain that you have to walk through to get it god is worth it and uh sometimes we're not convinced of that and so it's like lord do a do a work in our own hearts to help us understand that you are worth it dwelling with you is worth it and uh and then here's the good news on our path of having all of our idols uh, expunged and, and our hearts sanctified uh-huh. is he promises to be with us because he's a, a nurturing and a caring God. I, I'm with yep. the broken hearted. Yep. Yep. When you're in the fire, I'm right there with that's you. That's right. right? When you're I going across the crushed yeah. in spirit. Right? When, you're, when you're going across the sea, I'm sitting there. I may be napping that's and exactly. you're freaking out. That's right. But I'm there. <laughs> I'm there. That's right. right. And, and when so, you wake me up, I'll calm the sea. So just chillax. Fear not. <laughs> he says, I fear, fear not. I've overcome the world. That's so good. And so I, I think, uh, 
if we're going to have an actual biblical worldview, yes. we need to take into consideration what God actually has to say, right. you know, from yeah. his word yeah. Start and there. not just a couple of things, what God's word says, and then building our own philosophy or theology off of that, yeah. but submitting to his word in a, in a faithful manner. Yeah. Well, as we're starting 2023, yeah. right. A great thing to do is, um, to start by spending some time in the Word of God. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, Bible reading plans are, you know, plentiful. You yeah. Know, yeah. Read through the Bible in a year, yeah. uh, soak in a book. Absolutely. Um, I've done that before, right? Yeah, hey, sit, same. You know, yeah. sit, sit in a book for a year. Yeah. Um, study a particular topic for yeah. a year. I mean, just, you know, soak in the Word of God. Yeah. Right? And, and Man, let, I, it, let I, it change you. I think about six years ago, and this is... Um, an, an application for anybody that, that finds it useful. Mm-hmm. But I just spent a year in Genesis 1, 2, and 3. There you go. And just learning just. Um, our our human sinful nature mm-hmm. and God's gracious kindness yeah. to provide one who was, who was going to crush the head of the serpent, yeah. Genesis 3. Just studying that. If you can... If you can get your hand or head around Genesis 1, 2, and 3, which none of us can, but if you can soak in it and, and grow in, in your understanding of who God is and who we are as humans, uh, you really can understand the scriptures, yeah. which will help you understand life uh, as you seek to apply God's word. Yeah. I, I love um, in that when, when God talks about how right, the, uh, the, the solution to the problem is going to come from the seed of woman. Yeah. And even, even that concept, right? It's, yeah. just, it's like women don't have seed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, am I am I misreading this? Right? He later tells us. Uh, well, you know, and the crazy uh, thing is going to be right, well, and it's going to be right, the the solution's going to come from a you know whatever thirteen year old right yeah. girl who's a yeah. virgin, and the spirit will come upon you. What in the world? Yeah. Right? And and the crazy thing is, is how many people have missed? Yeah. Right, the the only man to have been claimed to be born of a virgin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> There's something very unique and very special about this particular human. Yeah, in, in throughout human history. Yeah, right. I mean, yeah, right. Every, every other man who tries to elevate themselves, right? You kind of gotta have to gotta yeah. go say, listen, you're just like me. That's that's. Yeah, it, you man. may be a better version of me, yeah. but you're just like me. There's something so supernatural and different about this human being named Jesus. It's true. At this particular point, at this particular time, and if I go back to Genesis, right, when God says, hey, I'm going to point to somebody, it's so cool because he gives you some things to look for that are otherworldly, that that's are supernatural, right. that are like, it's not, it's not just going to be Blair and a better version of Blair. That, no, that's exactly right. Or right. Dan, a better version of Dan. It's going to be, I'm going to bring somebody who's totally different. Yeah. And but, then I'm going to make yeah, them like you. totally different, yes. right? Like a new creation, yes. a new birth. I, I do think there's a danger if when you grow up in the church sometimes, mm-hmm. you can, we can be lulled to sleep to think so much of the second Adam. Yes. He saved us. Yes. That we don't ever really deal with the first Adam. Yes which is where we come from. That's us. Right? And so you have to start there. You have to start with, um, hey, we're from the dust and to the dust we shall return. Right? And it's only then that we can see the true value of the second Adam and why we need him. And uh, sometimes we just skip over it and we skip over the first Adam. We're just like, yeah, we're saved. We need, you know, we need a savior. But now I'm going to live my life in that first Adam mindset and um, that's unhelpful and it ultimately becomes very painful when we figure out oh no life is not what I wanted to be or what I thought it was going to be like it is a guarantee that when you start out on I'm going to conquer the world and I'm going to I want to I'm going to go after I'm going to build my kingdom it's a guarantee that you will fail it's a guarantee like no one has ever succeeded the, the worst thing that God could allow is that you would succeed 
Yeah, and to, who's a man that has? Exactly. Is my question though. Right. Like who who actually but, but, I has? Because because you get to the end of your life, and if you've built your kingdom and yeah. you haven't built his, then then there's no room for you in his kingdom. Yeah. There's no place for you. You would feel uncomfortable in his kingdom. Yeah. If you've built yours. Yeah. Because. Like, because you've succeeded in building something that's temporary, how would you stand in something yeah. that's eternal? It's a dangerous thing to sit on a throne, yes. right? And so uh, just recognizing from the get-go, I think, that, man, let's submit to the one who, who is on the throne yeah. and unto the Lamb. Okay, so other than the Word of God, yeah, and, and I, I mean, you can't even say that, right? Because that's the only place you need to really spend yeah. time, right? But is there any other um, Practical book that, yeah, that, that hit you uh, a, a recently? Book? Oh, yeah, goodness. Um, that hit, uh, it, it, like, that hit. Just hit you that you'd suggest for a guy to pick up and read. Oh, we're, hey, we're trying to promote guys reading all the time. Yeah. Right? And so is there is there something? Yeah, I, I think uh, Jeremiah Burroughs, mm-hmm. if, if we could talk about the Puritans. Puritans are awesome. Just, um, uh, the rare jewel of, of Christian, Christian contentment. contentment. Okay. One of my favorites. Contentment. He talks about in that book that contentment really is a virtue. And it is a rare thing to find a content man. I think the the men of God who are content have um, almost reconciled what we're talking about today. They've realized, no, 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 I'm no matter what. I know that God is working all things together for good. And they've, they've settled that in their mind yep. and they've been, a, therefore they're thankful for bread and they're not looking for steak, right? They're, they're, yep. they're thankful for, for water and not looking for, for wine. And, and so um, whatever it is, but um, I would say the rare jewel of Christian contentment, we need men who are content with the things of God, with God himself. Yeah. And, um, well, which, which is crazy. Cause if you're content with the things of God, you're content with the greatest thing. Yeah, that's right. If you're content with something less than God, then it's your appetite that needs to change. Yeah, that, that's right. And you are discontent because it, it, it is not created to bring about your satisfaction. Exactly. And so when you recognize that mm. the things that you crave mm. cannot satisfy you, that's right. um, then you are on the right path. And there so I would say Jeremiah um, Burroughs, Burroughs yep. the, the rare jewel of Christian contentment. I read that for the second or third time very recently. Mm. And I would say that would be a good book for men. That's right. Um, in particular. Man, I love it. Blair, I could talk to you forever. Brother, but, I loved it. Thank but you we gotta, for we gotta go. You gotta go. <laughs> so really thankful. I, I do. I appreciate it. I love um, just you, your ministry, your family, all that God has taken you through, the place that he has you now. Mm. Um, just very, very encouraged um, by just you shepherding um, other um, young men and women uh, in their families and, and uh, as uh, as God would just, you know, lead you uh, and you lead others, right? I know you're a guy who's like, uh, you know, follow me because I'm following Christ. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's not about I, me. I, I'm just following I ain't guy. worth following. I know right, that much. Right, that's um, right. But I'm following him, so come on. That's right. Tag come on. on let's so. go. We're going, we're going to follow the king. I love it. Um, love you. Respect you. Thank you so much for having me All on right. today, man. Love you, player. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Training for Manhood. If you found the conversation to be valuable, make sure to rate us where you listen to podcasts. Also, check out additional content on our website, trainingformanhood.com. That's training4manhood.com. Until next time, in the words of King David, be strong and show yourself a man. <laughs>